Welcome to another episode of the Knucklehead Chronicles Podcast. This podcast was designed to let you know that you aren't the only one that took forever to get it together. So the rabbit hole that you have stumbled down will hopefully help you understand that just when you think it's over, it's only the beginning. Just because you were dealt a bad hand doesn't mean you have to keep it. Welcome to the Knucklehead Chronicles Podcast. And what's going on? It's popping and cracking. Happy whatever day of the week it is. I think it's Tuesday. <laughs> I always forget what day of the week is. But hey, it's your boy. I'm back. Um, I figure I do uh, another couple of episodes before the premiere of the panel edition on Sunday. Um, and then my wife and the kids are out of town, so I better take advantage of it while they're out of town. So. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of the Knucklehead Chronicles podcast. This is episode 16 of The Origin. I think I'm going to take, you know how, uh, if anybody out there is a, that has watched this, or that, that watches um, Star Wars, right? <clears throat> um, I'm going to do like they do in Star Wars, and they have the, the main movies, and then they have the side stories. You know, it's like, you know, the revenge of the, the the, the solo or whatever was a side story uh, in that movie. Uh, and so <clears throat> I think I'm going to do that in this, t- on today's episode, right? Cause I, I, I want to just, I want to go over something and this is, uh, you know, where I was at, right? A little bit of transparency too. Um, so Melissa and I are, that's my third wife, my, my current wife, my, my honey, my boo-boo on, on it, my, my, my flame right here. Uh, we're together. And we are, but we weren't married. We were just boyfriend and girlfriend. We were kind of, we were actually kind of strangers going into um, this situation. And we were kind of thrust into a relationship. I mean, I don't think it was much such... I don't think it was so much of a thrust. I think she was, I would say this, and I could be wrong, and, and, and you know, if we ever get, you guys ever get a chance to talk to her, ask her, you know what I'm saying? Did you really feel for Terry as you did when you, when you first got into it? Um, I had to admit, there were parts of it was like, you know, at some point, I was thinking to myself, going, what was I thinking? What am I doing? <laughs> what, what am I doing here? You know? Um, there wasn't a moment of regret, though. I'll say that there wasn't a moment of regret. It was just, I'm like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is weird. You know, I'm out here, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. You know, uh, I didn't know anybody. Um, I was on the strength of uh, these people that knew my wife and I knew my girlfriend, not me. Um, and we we had we had people that we ran with. Excuse me, we first got to Idaho. Well, she ran with that I was kind of forced to run with because she was running with him. And, you know, we thought that we had some friends, all right? I, uh, so I, I just want everybody, I want everybody to listen to this because, you know, be mindful of the circle you keep. Be mindful of the people you run with, right? Because everybody ain't, you know, everybody ain't for you, right? But I'm going to try to go through it quick because we were there, like I said, five years. And I could pack about 10 episodes in the five years that we were there, but I'm not going to do that, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So when we first got there, I mean, like I said, we didn't know anybody. You know, I'm working in uh, a casino, dealing blackjack part time, and I was a part time pit boss. 
Now, for those of you that have listening to this and, and, and never been to a casino before, um, that's too bad. You should go. Uh, and then there are people that are listening to this that, okay, I know what a pit boss is. I know, I know what you know, what dealers do. And, and you might even be in the profession. Um, it was different. Uh, I knew nothing of the game. I never played a hand of blackjack before I went out there. Um, and so going from not playing a hand of blackjack to now having to learn the game and then learn how to count and pay out uh, money. That was hard. And math, if anybody knows me well, math uh, is, has never been my strong suit. So it was hard. It was hard, man. Um, one of the stories I always tell when people ask me about uh, dealing blackjack in a casino for the first time, it was... Uh, it was daunting, man. I mean, let me tell you something. I barely got through dealer school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, you know, to when you when you go and, and, and start to play blackjack or to deal blackjack or what have you, um, you go through dealer school because you have to learn how to deal. You have to learn how to cut the cards. You got to learn as a certain way you do it through the casino. You got to learn how to count the payouts. You got to learn how to, you know. And it was, that, that thing was hard, now. I think it was hard. It was just one of those transitional things, things that I had to do, uh, moving to this new place. And then, um, the last I remember, there were three in the history of Cactus Pete's. That's the name of the casino that I worked for. Cactus Pete's uh, out in Jackpot, Nevada. And in that history of that particular casino, there were three uh, pit bosses. And that, and that was that third one that were black. Uh, everybody else has been Caucasian or what have you. So let me tell you the side story. All right. So I'm going through dealer school and I'm sucking. <laughs> now, it was so much pressure, right? You got to understand the pressure, the level of pressure that I was on because, you know, I'm out there on the strength of someone who never met me, that never knew me from home to one. Like I said, knew Melissa, knew, you know, my girl at the time, uh, they knew her. They knew of her. They ran with her. They knew me, right? So I wanted to make sure I didn't make a fool out of myself and those people that uh, have faith, faith enough in me to give me a job for a man living across country. Jokers didn't know me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even know I was black till I got there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, so I've been doing school and I'm struggling, right? Uh there was a uh, uh, a manager, her name was Terry too. Um, I think Terry West. I think it was last name. I can't remember her name last name now, but she was boss. She was mean, right? But she was boss, and she she saw that I was struggling, and she pulled me out. Um, no, she what she did was this this what broke me is that we was getting ready to do our final test before we were cut loose. Uh, to go on the floor, uh, and of course, if anybody goes through dealer school for for anything casino, if you don't pass dealer school, they fire you because there's no need to keep you. Because if you can't count or you can't deal, then they they let you go. So I was nervous, pressure. I'm like, I'm gonna let my, I'm gonna let my girl down. I'm gonna let the people that you know that they help me get this job. I'm gonna let them down. I was, there was a lot of pressure. I'm going to do a school. And I'm, like I said, I'm failing miserably because I can't count. 
And when I say count, I mean, you know, like if you go to and sit down at the blackjack table, you know, you put your bet up there, you want to make sure you get paid correctly if you win, right? Or a side bet or whatever, you want to make sure you get paid correctly. Those were those were hard. Um, so in my final test, uh, I mean, I'm <laughs> so Terry comes in, her, uh, Eric, and uh, Chris, and they, and they were all the higher ups in the in the uh, in the in the casino where we, where we worked. It was Eric; he was second in command. Chris was the first guy, and then Terry was one of the managers along with Eric. And uh, shout out to, shout out to Rachel Seaman. That's who that's who got me the job there, and she was my middle uh, school teacher. And <clears throat> she, um, we're going through, we went, and I'm, like I said, failing. I keep repeating it. But I want to show you how major that was. I was failing. And Terry made me cry. Uh, and uh, in, in the last, like, meeting that we've had, the, the last, you know, test, uh, she made me cry. And I, and I know, I, want, I know, I know people listen to me like, you a pussy. Yeah, I don't think I'm a pussy, but. I was emotional, that's for sure. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to fail at this on the mix. You know, and um, I barely made it through to the school. So this was back in June, uh, June of 2016. And the reason why I can remember that with significance is because my first day on the floor was July the 4th of 2016. <laughs> July the 4th of 2016. Now that's the 4th of July. Everybody's there. Casino's packed. Um, I didn't know. <laughs> Nervous as all get out. Now, in the casino, right, you can't make any sudden movements, you know, if you're behind the table. If you're if you're into the chips or anything like that, you cannot make any sudden moves uh, behind the table because the cameras are always watching. You know what I'm saying? Always. So you have the eye in the sky. So... I remember July the 4th, my shift started. I worked the second shift. Um, and they put me on a $5 table. <laughs> Thank God it was a single deck table. Right? Single deck is easy because you only have one deck of cards in your hand. The eyes, are toward, the eyes are to the house. You know what I'm saying? The more cards you get, the more eyes, the less the eyes are for the house. Uh, so... I have, I was, they put me on my first single deck table. When I tell y'all, and I had a packed table. It was not like, you know, two, three mofos. It, the, the table, it sat, it, the table sat seven, six or seven, and it was packed. Everybody was in the chair. It was 4th of July weekend. So, when I tell you, <laughs> man, I made a complete fool out of myself, and I started sweating. And I just couldn't get, t- it was just, the anxiety was killing me, right? So, the <laughs> the first mistake that I made was, I think, uh, one of my guys put up a side bet, and he hit it, and I didn't pay it out right. And, I mean, this was the, within the first five minutes of me hitting the table. And uh, it was like, yeah, who is this dude? Where you come from? No, but eventually I settled down. You know, and I, I, I learned how to deal the game. Um, I, then I learned how to do double double deck, and then I learned how to to deal from a six uh, a six deck shoot, uh, which was fun. 
That's I love playing. I love dealing from the six deck from the, from the shoe. Anyway, I said all that to say this <laughs> is that it, the beginning of our journey in Idaho was extremely tough, right? Because I was trying to figure out who I was. Um, I tried to figure out what was I doing in Idaho. Did I make the right decision? So the first six months to a year that we were there, I questioned everything to myself because I, I never said anything out loud because it was just easier not to. It was easier to, I mean, like I said, I was still delving in social media at this point. I was still doing Periscopes. Uh, Periscopes Periscope was a lifesaver for me. That's why, I, that's, why I, that's why it broke my heart when they folded over there at Periscope. But, um, I went Twitter, Twitter decided to not deal with it anymore. Um, so, uh, I remember, you know, speaking of Periscope, and then I think about this, and this all goes back to what I'm talking about here. Uh, when I first started, listening, I started doing Periscope, I was in, I was living with, you know, Courtney. That, that you, you heard about her from the last episode. And uh, me and Courtney broke it up. Courtney was doing her life. I was doing my life uh, on her couch. So I picked up Periscope and the first person, there were two people in on Periscope that uh, kept me afloat and uh, insane. And that was Dr. Walter Sims and Jamila Corbett. It was those two. Um, I met one of my friends, best friends on there, uh, A.D. Walker. I met him on, on there too. But um, Dr. Walter Sims and Jamila Corbett, those two. Dr. Walter Sims had, um, he would do services or, you know, virtual services on Periscope. He, he was the first Perry uh, church. Um, and, and I used to go into his Periscope every single night, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and I would go in there and I would stay in his, I would stay in his uh, scope. And, you know, there were times where, I needed to hear every syllable of what he was saying in that scope, you know. And Jamila, and Jamila was just an inspirational, you know. Now, both of these people I've interviewed on my podcast pre uh, previous. You have to go find those. Uh, Dr. Sims. I don't think I did Dr. Sims. We did, we did Dr. Sims when I was doing Brothers Who Talk with AD. But I'd interviewed Jamila on one of my podcast before, The Local Head Chronicles. And she was a complete inspiration. Still is to this day. Uh, shout out to you, Jamila, if you hear this. Um, but in that time of my life, I just, I was, it was such a fog for me. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had mixed feelings. Um, even with, even with Courtney, I was, you know, dealing with my, dealing with my feelings with her. I was mad at her. How dare you put me on the couch? And I had some animosity. I did, you know, um, but, but I never spoke on those uh, because it was just for what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just never spoke on those. Um, <laughs> it was just funny. And so I go out to I go out to this this foreign state. This is I, I might as well have been across the water. You know, I might as well have been in Russia somewhere. That that's that's kind of how it felt. I mean, I didn't know a soul, so I had to pick up and do what the Romans do in Idaho. You know, you know, uh, I was a homebody. Um, I didn't go anywhere. 
I got I delved into the social media thing because it was it's easier. I didn't have to go nowhere. It was just me and my mic on my phone on my iPad at the time. And uh, I did a show uh, called The Common Sense Show TV. I did that down in my basement. Had a green screen behind me. And I would broadcast on Facebook Live through my phone and my iPad. And I would, I would do my, my iPad, I would do Twitter or, or Periscope. And on my phone, I would do Facebook. Um, <laughs> it's not so long ago, but six years ago, it's crazy. But they're my saving grace. But here's the transparency of it all. Is that the entire time I did the conversation show, and I love the conversation show, I, I dropped a lot of nuggets on the conversation show. Here's the cold water. I was lying. If I can just speak completely honest. I was putting up a facade. Now that I was trying to be malicious, I trying to be hurtful, but the truth was, I was telling lies. I, w- I was completely bamboozling everybody. Maybe not. Maybe not everybody. I did. I did just enough to make it look good to other people. Right. Truth is, I was completely lying because I was having you know inappropriate conversations with people, exes. You know, the whole time, right? And I'm sitting on here. I'm standing in front of a camera or a phone. And I'm telling people how they should do this and that and the third. You know? And I was lying. All of that, though, to serve my ego. Why? Because it's easier to serve your, it's easier to serve your ego than to be truthful with yourself and other people. Because if, if, if I can feed to you the nonsense that um you know I'm, I'm this and I'm that and the third you know that I'm you know I'm doing my job I'm making it look good like I can sit here and say you know yeah I did that or well, I made that mistake whatever whatever and still and still be doing it behind closed doors I come to find out that that wasn't hurting that wasn't hurting anybody but myself, and worse hurting my wife. You know, uh, well at the time we were still we were still boyfriend and girlfriend, and that's the, and, and that's part of the reason why things happened when they happened, or the thing, oh I did what I did. My mindset was, well she's my wife, I can do what I want. You know what I'm saying she, you know, she's just somebody I live with, so I didn't take. Our, situ- our situation serious you know at this point in time we've, we've had Terry Jr Terry Jr's already been born um, you know and all that and it was just you know, it was a time of my life and the first like I said the first couple of years in Idaho was extremely confusing to me I went from I went from um, working in a, in a casino to losing that job to moving furniture, shout out to Steve and Lisa um, with full moving company Mallory and and uh, her mother. You know, um, started moving furniture, quit that job, started working at a at a nursing home as a dishwasher and a cook. Shout out to Andy. <laughs> uh, 
and it was just life was just confusing. It was hard, right? And I just tried to make it out. <laughs> I tried to make sense of it all. I just couldn't figure out. I mean, life was just nuts, right? So I'm working at the I'm working at the nursing home. Uh, Andy Casper, who's my chef, Andy, out there. I think he's still doing it. But um, he gave me a chance. He, I was doing dishes, and, and one day he came in. He said, "You want to?" Lost one of our cooks, Troy. No, it was it no Eddie? Uh, I can't think. I remember who it was. I think it was Eddie. He came to me. He said, "Terry, you want to be a cook?" And I said, uh, "I don't know. You know, it depends on how much you pay me." And so we went and had a meeting and gave me a pay raise and all that. Um, and I became a cook. But at the time, that was, you know, I, it just wasn't enough. It was so much pressure. I want people to understand that there's so much pressure. That's why it's important that men take care of their mental health. Because I lived under so much pressure and had no idea that I was doing it. That eventually it just took a toll. And then. Not, and on top of the pressure that was already there, I'm self-inflicting wounds. I'm just shooting myself in the foot every chance I get by doing whatever I want to do and having inappropriate conversations with people and all that. Um, so we have a, me and him have a meeting with me. They gave me a pay raise. I started cooking. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this no more. You know? And then I went to I went to work for Sprint. Uh, started working with Sprint back in 2018, 20, 2017, 2018. And the the first boss, my first the, my first boss to hire me, his name was Jared. Jared Finn. Shout out to Jared. In, 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 uh, out there. He's out there in Oregon now, I think. Um, and to this day, me and Jared are still friends. Right? Uh, that's my dude. Anyway, so I go in. Now, I want y'all to keep in mind, Jared was 21 years old when he interviewed me. <laughs> Jared was 21 years old when he interviewed me, and he was the district manager of like 10 stores in the, in the uh, Idaho area. And uh, good-looking brother. He was going to be 60. Jared's everybody 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, All the girls loved him. You know, he was a youngin', smart, uh, brand from Utah, so, you know, everybody loved him, right? And we interviewed, and he loved me. You know, he's just like, I love your attitude. Da, da, da. And then my uh, my store manager, shout out to, uh, I can't think of his name right now, <laughs> Philip. <laughs> shout out to Phil. <coughs> he he was like, yeah, we want you on, we want you on the team. And, you know, I was like, all right. And then I had the crew that was there. It was, it was uh, Chad. Chad's still my homie to this day. Chad Vaughn. Shout out to Chad. Uh, Yvette. And it was another young man by the name of Tristan. Tristan um, Bellevue was the son of my wife's former best friend, Tiffany. And so at the time, though, when we were together at Sprint, they were, they were still running. Uh, so that was, that was tough, right, because... Tristan was a young and he thought he knew everything and you know that's that's how they roll though that's how the young ones do um so we had a great team you know working at Sprint things was things were you know uh coming coming about okay I was meeting people making a, making a little bit of money it's not uh 
But like I said, the struggles of life at that period of life, and it was still, now we had, by this time, we had been there two years, right? You know, had a baby. Uh, Terry received his, no, he didn't receive his diagnosis until the next year, 2019. Um, but, you know, two years, you know, we get stuff established, you know, um, and it was just, it was so hard. And some of these things I didn't tell a soul because I just, I just suffered in silence, right? That's, that's the problem. That's the problem with most men and how we deal with our stuff is that we, we, just, we suffer in silence. I had so much stuff. I, I had, I was doing these uh, uh, daily morning shows with uh, A.D. Walker and Pastor Brian McCrory and we call ourselves the Brothers of Legacy. And when we first started the Brothers of Legacy, it was me, A.D. Walker, and the brother Terrell Lynch. Uh, Terrell decided he wanted, he didn't want to do it no more. Didn't tell us. Left. I was salty. I was like, you know what? I got enough going on in my life. This brother, you know, doing that show in the mornings on Facebook was a saving grace. You know what I'm saying? Because I just I had nothing else to do. I was I was venting. Uh, to myself, I would leave the house and I would get in the car and I would go and just drive and then just be venting and ranting and cussing in the car and then come back home and be okay. You know, how many of y'all have done that? How many of y'all have got in the car and because you didn't want to say anything to anybody else, you just got in the car, started cussing, hitting the wall, punching, throwing kick, you know, a kickball and you, you RKO and shit because, <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to you don't want to be that confronter, right? That was me. I don't want to be that confronter, so I said I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay back in the cut and not worry about it. But I was hurting myself. I was hurting my wife. You know, and it was well, at the time again we wasn't married yet. We were still boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, funny story about that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hit this point and I'm gonna go. Let's go back to Jackpot, Nevada. Melissa wanted to marry me, right? And I wanted to marry her. The problem was I was still legally married to Strawberry, right? Um, and so we were getting ready to plan a wedding. Now, at this time, we live in Jackpot. We get ready to plan a wedding. Now, she did. She had no clue that I was still legally married to my to, to Strawberry uh, because I didn't tell her. It was one of those, it's one of those things that and the reason, and I, I will, to be fair, this is the reason why I didn't tell her. Because I didn't think that we were going to last long enough for it to matter, if I could be honest. And, and, and I, don't think she, I don't think she knows that. And she, she, will listen, she will listen to this no way. But uh, to be truthful, I didn't tell her that I was still legally married to Strawberry because I figured that we was not going to be long, together long enough for it to matter. But when she started talking about marriage and all this other good stuff, it was like, okay, this is different. <laughs> no, no, I had to say something because I can't, you know, I can't marry this woman. <laughs> and I'm still legally married to her. That's uh, polygamy, polyg- whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called now. But you can't marry one. You can't marry more than one month at a time. <laughs> right? So um, eventually I tell her. I say, you know, I can't, we can't get married because I'm still. Now we were halfway through planning this thing. We were thinking we was gonna have it down in Vegas. Uh, we, I mean, we was halfway through planning it for real. And I had to tell her that 
had to hold off on it because I'm still legally married to my second wife. And so, of course, when I look back over our, our six-year relationship, me, my wife and I, man, I done hurt her on so many levels, so many different times, it's not even funny. Sometimes you got to self-reflect. You got to be like, hmm, did I do that? <laughs> you know, did I really do that? I can't believe I did that. <laughs> but she has stood by me. I don't think that I'm not paying for my choices. I want everybody to know that. I don't think, don't, any man that's listening to this, do not believe, do not think that you are not going to pay for your choices because you better believe that sweet ass you are going to pay for your choices, right? Because what happens when you start doing stuff like you start, you start killing trust. You you starting to eat away at the trust, and once the trust gone, you can go ahead and forget it. You you, you can almost chalk it up. It's not going to happen, right? That's what happened with us. And no different, and, but. We got we, we pulled it together, and then we got married in 2019. You know, we had a real wedding. My uh, mother-in-law paid for the venue. Dad paid for the wedding. You know, we just we know we never 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 really went out on the honeymoon or whatever. But we got married. And we had the suit, the tux, and the tie. Best being the you know, my girls, all that. Um, after I divorced my second wife, cause I had that you know that she ended up paying for. Melissa did. By the way, <laughs> I'm not sure how she did that, but we ended up, we filed for divorce, you know, and all that. I got it done. And we got married. Listen, y'all. And, then, and I say all that to say this. Y'all know me. Shout out to Wayne Goodson. He always said that. He used to say that all the time. Uh, I say all that to say this. Um, <laughs> you know, don't waste people's time. You know what I'm saying? It took me a minute to realize that because I could have said, okay, I'm, I'm holding this queen up from her real man. I mean, I don't know who I am. I'm just, you know, I was a complete, utter shamble. It was a mess because I wanted to do what I wanted to do and get away with it. You know what I'm saying? It's really crazy stuff. Um, so that's what happened. I mean, but the first, I'm telling you, the I, First year in Idaho, second year in Idaho, man, I promise you, I was so lost. I did things because I thought that's what everybody wanted me to do. I mean, it's just really bananas. But we're going to get into that. We're into the, you know, in this side story of the origin, we're going to get into the Idaho, the Idaho Chronicles, the Idaho, uh, for Idaho year one, <laughs> year two or something like that. I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm title is. Because, man, life changed. Life changed, and you know I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for the change. So, hey, I'm gonna end it right here. But listen, the next chapter, chapter 17, I'm gonna tell you, tell you guys some more stories. This is a storytelling podcast, so um, I'm gonna tell you some more stories, and you're gonna be like, seriously, Terry, you did? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying this seriously. But I, I made some boobs. I really have. I, I made some tremendous, tremendous missteps in my life. But we'll get into it. All right, so we'll see you guys next time. Don't forget uh, the Knucklehead Chronicles Live, uh, Knucklehead Chronicles Podcast Live Panel Edition does go live this Sunday, May 1st, 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube, Roku TV with the BS3 Network, and also on Facebook. 
I will see you guys next time. All right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. I hope I didn't fry your brain too bad. Come back through and give me another chance. You can listen on all platforms and visit us at Knucklehead Chronicles Podcast.podbean.com. Until next time, in the words of the incomparable Jerry Springer, take care of yourself and each other.